You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic Podcast Show. I'm Jessica. And I'm Melanie. And yes, that's a different voice that you hear on the other end with me today. Melanie is one of our amazing practitioners at the JCN Clinic. She's a nutritionist and she's bloody awesome, if I do say so myself. Thanks, <laughs> And Mel is joining me today to talk about childhood nutrition. Uh, our topic is actually real talk about childhood nutrition. And I wanted Mel to join me today because one, I want you to get to know her. And two, this is an area she is really passionate about uh, and has a lot of knowledge about. So I'm pretty excited to dive into this. Mel and I did do a live on this topic couple of weeks ago you think it was about two weeks ago yeah 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 I think so um and we did touch on some of these points but obviously live socials it's kind of quick short and sharp whereas here we can dive in a little bit deeper mm. so we actually wanted to start with an area we talked pretty heavily about on that live and had a lot of good feedback about which was nice which was actually first before we dive into the nitty gritty of childhood nutrition, um, actually talk a little bit about why we want to be careful with the concept of um, creating a healthy day on a plate for kids and creating um, this really uh, strong concept around a healthy diet for kids and being very specific about the perfectionism around that, which we see a lot in this space, particularly again in social media. So shall we start there, Mel? Do you want to talk a little bit about what we see as some of those problem areas as far, yeah, again, as far as putting too much stress or pressure on this concept of like the perfect meal for kids? Uh, yeah, it's a big subject, Hey, And you can mm. kind of talk from any point and go from there, I guess. And it's, it's really that social media side of things that I think has the biggest influence on how we feel about how we lay out our kids' lunchboxes. Because while there is a lot of good ideas out there, it kind of does bring a bit of pressure because we can see what other parents are feeding their kids and, we, you know, kind of bring that upon ourselves or feeling, you know, that we're not giving our own kids, you know, the right amount of nutrients. But it's all in context. Um, you know, every kid is at a different stage in growth and how like how much they are growing just physically and mentally and their preferences, their behaviors around food, like that every kid is at a different stage in their development. And you can't just blanket it with, you know, every kid should be having this type of lunchbox. Like I went through a phase where I wanted to share like those bento lunchbox ideas, but I, you know, pulled up on that, knowing that, you know, it would build that pressure of like, you know, this is what you know this is what would be ideal and yes it is good to have a good idea of you know what would be some good options to put in lunchbox absolutely it's always good to like keep searching for ideas of you know like to change it up and to bring that diversity into lunchbox and things like that but 
coming back to what you said, Jess, um, always knowing that it's not about their lunchboxes being perfect or, you know, everything that they eat or over the day needs to hit every macronutrient. It's more about, you know, making it, you know, I guess fun in, you know, take away those expectations of what everything needs to be, but like, you mm. know, a little bit of everything, like a little bit of fun, a little bit of education, um, a little bit of what they want and a little bit of what you want them to have because you know it's good for them as well. So um, rolling that all into one, it's like there's, they're going to eat quite a few times over the day, like you've mentioned, that they don't have those strict macronutrient balanced <laughs> meals over there. They don't just have breakfast, lunch and dinner. They have many opportunities over the day to get, you know, some snacks in that are more nutrient dense than other snacks. And then they have, you know, generally will have breakfast and dinner with the family or at least dinner time with the family. Um, you know, that is going to be quite more, you know, going to be more nutrient dense. But um, yeah, I think, I think that kind of captures it no so well said so well said it's interesting you were saying about how you found yourself in that um sort of world of wanting to put nice pictures together of meals that you were doing for your daughter and then kind of catching yourself and going hang on what am I doing (laughs) really it really was like that because you know I was yeah doing it because I wanted to take nice photos yeah and then have those like um you know ideas put together to share but then the realization of like people thinking that this is what they need to have every single day. And the reality of that was, is that half of the week, her lunch boxes would come back and there would still be half the food untouched in it. (laughs) That's, that's the reality, right? And that's where it's, it's a hard one. And particularly for you as a nutritionist, because you're proud of like creating these lovely meals and these putting together lunch boxes for your daughter and then there's part of you I'm sure that even again with a nutritionist hat is like I want to document this and create inspiration but the reality is which is so often with socials the more that all goes out there the more pressure that creates of as far as parents thinking this is like what must be done all the time but the reality more so is the fact that the lunch boxes do come back a lot of the time half eaten or bits picked out of this or that and um, then there's there's sort of potential pressure that that creates back on the parent instead of them thinking that that's normal <laughs> and, yeah, and stressing right. about the fact that they haven't, which we'll get into, you know, had this perfectly macro balanced sandwich that's been created. You know, they haven't eaten it or they've like pulled out the cheese and eaten the cheese and thrown the bread away or whatever <laughs> it is. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually was talking to my daughter about this last night in terms of like how our lunchboxes have changed over the years and also what other kids have said about it because it used to be like she used to feel a bit awkward about her lunchboxes because I, you know like the main idea around what I would try to aim for for her lunchboxes would be to have you know max like one or two packaged foods in a lunchbox mm-hmm. like you know that's all I could get um daily that would be a good thing for me you know considering that like um you know yeah there's so many different packaged foods out there and you know it would be easy just to put all of that in there but you know, if you can throw in a few, like, you know, whole foods, like a piece of fruit and like sandwich, whatever. But um, yeah, I would make, you know, she would have leftovers for lunches and things like that. So she would go to school with these lunch boxes. And um, a lot of the time, you know, she would feel awkward with bringing out her lunch boxes. I remember her saying, but then last night, because this is the age group where they're actually starting to become more health conscious. And it's funny because go back a few years, like 
you know, it was all about packaged foods and like, well, what packaged foods have you got? Can I swap with you? Yes. Kind of stuff, you know? But now they actually want her lunchboxes. You know, they want those more whole foods. And they like, they're like, oh, that looks so tasty. And oh, wow. I wish I could have that. And like, it's really starting to change because this age group, they are starting to recognize, um, yeah, health and like for different reasons for, you know, wanting to be fitter and stronger. Like, once, like one of her friends is like, just would always ask about how to be fitter and stronger and things like that and what she could do. And other ones would be like, oh, I just want to, you know, eat healthier foods and things like that. And it's really interesting to see that come out at such a young age. Hmm. And yeah, I don't know if it's just this generation or if it's always been like this, but yeah, I think that we might have more health conscious kids. Yeah, I think so. Do you mind telling people listening what age your daughter is just for reference? Yeah, she is 11 years old. So, um, primary school grade six going into high school yeah yeah right okay yeah Yeah. that's and that's quite I love hearing that it's fascinating like it's I'm with you I think we are definitely creating a more health conscious youth I think obviously you already see that in the gen z to an element as far as how much they drink and drugs like obviously it's still there but but they're a lot more aware of what they're doing what they're putting into their body and I love that that comes a lot off. I imagine the amount of education we have now, like it's, it's even as usual going off on a tangent, but that's the point we can do that here. Like (laughs) we were walking down the street the other day in um, Melbourne and Damien made a comment about some people smoking. He's like, man, do people still smoke now? Like (laughs) considering how much knowledge there is about it, people still choose to smoke. Yeah. You know, it's like kids are just, they're just more savvy and they're learning. And we've got all of these kids now with like, particularly here in Australia with the Stephanie Alexander Garden and uh, the school that my niece goes to, you know, every Friday they get out in the garden and they're pulling out food from the garden and they're cooking meals and then they're learning about food and taking it home. Like I just, I cannot fathom how that wouldn't change you and the way you think about food and nutrition growing up compared to what we had I know I like for me there was nothing there was nothing at all growing up in a school environment education environment except for like the typical home ec where you learn to make some crappy scones or something yeah yeah right (laughs) so you seen me and it was phys ed like physical education and you'd have like one or two sessions on like foods and stuff but there was no real education like growing up in yeah just anything to do with nutrition and I really see that still in most public schools really I think there are some schools out there that are quite are getting on board with teaching nutrition and like that you know even includes with suggestions for how to shape their lunch boxes and things like that and um it's really good mm. it's really good but yeah it does all in context though I suppose like if we're not given enough um, education and references and resources to be able to do things like that it can be really difficult so mm. which is why like I really love this space because I don't think there's enough um to be said about it and kids like it's the perfect time to really start you know improving like nutrition or just um getting them to be more versed in you know just the, the different foods and what they provide and how they can help your body and it doesn't need to be an intense like educational lesson it can mm. just be like little bits here and there like you know this food is going to help with your brain it's going to help you feel like you know like it's going to help your brain and this one's <laughs> going to give you more energy so you can run fast and like just little things like that and they hold on to things like that um 
and that can you know grow into whatever level of interest they have with food it doesn't need to be that every kid needs to know everything about it but I think some sort of foundation in it is really important and we so lack it yeah so true and there's such a like a difference between what you're talking about there where it is a fundamental education and understanding with kids versus the sort of the the social expectations back on the parents of the perfect instagrammable meal like they're kind of chalk and cheese which is ironic as far as you know what 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 are what we're trying to teach kids and and teach adults like even through a platform like this as far as how to think about childhood nutrition and what to consider is nothing to do with how pretty it looks in a lunchbox or how pretty it looks when it's laid out on a table uh, but, and I love what you said too, which we'll get into about just how you talk about food and that relationship with food, which again, I think probably for both of us was something that really wasn't uh, even talked about in any capacity growing up and yeah. thinking about food in that way. Yeah. So I, I guess that all being said, which is really good just to lay as a foundation as we get into the, the meatiness we do want to talk about why childhood childhood nutrition is important, um, which might sound kind of obvious, but <laughs> uh, we want to kind of pull that apart and look at some of the major areas in this in this um, sort of field as such. So, do you want to discuss Mel? And I know that's a big, yeah, again, big question on its own, but um, I think we could break it down into things like we've mentioned some of them already, but as far as development and the immune system um, and even obviously the gut component is something that we'll touch on um, if there's something that you want to start with first as to why we put this focus on what kids are eating uh, and what they're taking in each day and, and why it is important to consider. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess it is that, you know, when we think about child nutrition, like the most like general thing is really whether or not they're meeting their milestones and if they're thriving as a child, like physically, mentally. But, it, you know, it is about understanding how the diet influences physical and mental development because it is the key stage that these foundational things are laid down and, you know, behaviours and habits and things like really stick through into adulthood and then we become an adult and then (laughs) we've already got these habits and Mm -hmm. found like you know habits formed and then we have to kind of learn our way out of it and that's really tricky like because we're taught our whole lives you know like a one way and then as an adult you're like oh wow like I've got to retrain myself all these things so it's like um you know the little things here and there like little shifts in habits or little things that we can teach them or behaviors around foods and eating just little things here and there that can be done as they grow and you know that's um you know shift in the direction that's going to serve them for the rest of their life like um you know and then things like then we can get into the bit more nitty-gritty details and it depends on each child and whether or not they have like a specific condition that actually needs addressing because you know, do see a lot of like, as you see, you know, we have kids that come into the clinic and they actually need specific conditions addressed. And that's when you do go a bit more down into like the nitty gritty details of like, let's look into your gut health because um, there are things going on there. Like there's a lot of information we can tell. So we need to understand where that's coming from. And that, you know, in that circumstance, you do need to be a bit more specific and you do need to have a bit of a protocol behind it because, you know, something's you know, it is mm-hmm. specific that needs to be addressed there. But um, I guess that's the biggest difference in like how much you need to concentrate 
around the diet and nutrition space. Like if you're addressing something specific, you'll need to, you know, go into it a little bit more. Whereas on a day to day, it's more like, okay, let's just try and make sure that we're getting protein and fats over the day or over the week. And let's just try and have like a new meal every week, or let's Mm -hmm. try and see if you'll eat tomatoes again this (laughs) week, you know, rotate that. But, you know, I do have a few children that, you know, we do need to um, strip back things a bit or concentrate on, you know, certain foods for a bit or, you know, be very specific there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I think immune system is probably one of the biggest things that's quite important growing up, um, you know, in that childhood uh, area because that's when the microbiome is really starting to shape and mature um, and that's training the immune system and how to respond to certain things and that really does lay the foundations for certain conditions to start, you know, evolving or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's probably... For sure. Yeah, you've kind of... you really outlined how there's that, of course, first and foremost, that foundation of those building blocks as far as nutrition goes and what they eat each day, becoming who they are, helping them grow, helping them thrive and having those available nutrients. But also that other layer that you mentioned, too, is about the habits and attachments that they create around food at an early age. 100% of something that we carry into adulthood. And it's something that we are constantly unpacking with adult clients at the JCN clinic. People have habits that are so strongly ingrained. And the, the more that you delve into that with clients, they'll often tell you it stems back to being a kid, particularly whether it's about how much they eat, the feelings about having to finish what's on their plate, or Um, another big one that we see is the habits around pickiness with food that get pulled into adulthood and dislike of things and trying new things, um, which is actually pretty common. Like for us, it's a dream when we get a client who is like, oh, I love everything or I'm willing to try everything. It's usually there are some of those um, kind of regulations that we need to follow and even in saying that as an adult we're trying to encourage them to try new things and think differently but it can actually take a lot again in an adult just to get them to try a new food and that comes from a young age like you don't just I think so anyway I think like if you've grown up without much exposure to different foods or trying different foods and also maybe been kind of I don't know I don't want to be a bit of a bitch about it but (laughs) bubbled (laughs) put in your child bubble and told it's okay you don't have to try this you don't have to try that like as an adult you're going to have that same mentality and we'll see people buy I think of like the classic client who you finally get them to buy say fennel and then it sits in their vegetable crisper for six (laughs) weeks and turns brown because they just are like I'm not going to do it I don't want to do it I'm too scared to do it it's weird it's different first step buy the fennel second step cut it off (laughs) two weeks later (laughs) yeah but I um it's kind of like these layers, right? Like there's, we've got that nutritional building block and then we've got these relationships that we develop with food. Um, but then you also mentioned about that immune development, which, man, like what a big space on its own as far as like gut immunity. And 
we'll we'll see again with clients as adults when you talk to them about the trajectory of their health and ask them about their childhood and how they were as a child like you'll often see a story where it does involve as a child them having some form of immune issues like um I'd be interested to see what you think Mel but I find when with kids when they're having um, actual health issues of sorts they tend to be more of like a classic immune expression and I guess like I'm thinking classic like respiratory stuff or um uh, you know what I mean? Like sinus, like tonsillitis, allergies, allergies oh, grommets, yeah. like colic, like all, you know what I mean? Like, do you, would you agree? Yeah. Do you think it, it's like yeah. that sort of sweeping real immune reactivity? I think that's the most common thing with uh, that immune system development and seeing that relationship between, I think that was like one of the main things that was highlighted even in this, in our like studies and going to uni stuff of, how you know that um that airway like asthma eczema dermatitis hay fever is very much correlated with that microbiota and you know yeah different components of it going to the details we're like we're not in school here but but, um yeah it is it is a big component Mm -hmm. absolutely Um, and it combines two of my favorite areas i think that's why i like bang on about it so much is like the microbiota the gut health and childhood nutrition. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's come together in a perfect little bundle. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think the other thing with kids who are like actually having overt symptoms in this area as far as nutrition goes, the beauty of that is, which is obviously why you get so excited about it, is like what we can do with nutrition alone and with food alone because kids are – to a point, I feel like they're a little bit of a blank canvas. Like they haven't had the stress that we've had as adults for multiple years. They haven't had alcohol, hopefully, <laughs> depending what age they are. <laughs> they haven't had alcohol, you know, they haven't been smoking. They haven't had a lot of toxin exposure. Um, they haven't travelled overseas maybe. Like they don't have all those multiple layers that we see as adults that contribute and build up. With kids, it's often – not always, but it often is a bit more simplistic. So if they are having these issues, nine times out of 10, that nutrition is the key point and diving in and figuring out what is um, needed to be changed nutritionally and how do we work with that nutritionally as far as the right mix of foods for them and any little tweaks we need to do outside of that for gut immunity. It's pretty amazing as far as the results that you can get compared to an adult who can need a lot more work. I, I definitely agree with that, Jess. I've seen that quite often in kids, um, especially with large, like, you know, a lot of inflammatory things going on in the gut um, and just making simple changes here and there, like pulling things that are really highly inflammatory, like in things, you know, like gluten and dairy, like they're, they're good for the general population. Like it's only with people that are having issues with gut and like their immune system is act- activated. They're just having more inflammation and it's just adding to it and just simple switches like reducing the amount that the kid is having a day like it just you know come back a month later and they're like we've seen so much difference in the way that their their moods and their concentration like you know just and like their diet is actually not overall too different because you know the the kids tend to be a bit um you know specific about the foods that they want to have 
um, because they're just, you know, in a bit of pain as well. Like, yeah, pain, they don't want, really want to, they don't really trust food at that point because the food like causes pain. And, but like, just by changing like little things, it's created a big change in them symptom wise because you're so right there. Like, it isn't that layer that you have to peel back and like try to really understand what's the biggest contributors and what's driving this situation here because a lot of the time you can really bring it back to that immune system that gut microbiome and so so often I will like keep on going back to it's like is it really gut though like is it really like connected to the gut like just tunnel vision in it again (laughs) 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 my favorite ties in a body or like an organ system but no it's it really does come back to it time and time again and yeah yeah Mm. (laughs) and you know what just off the back of that which is another point we've we've brought up about this area is when you are working with children and there are some underlying health issues a lot of them in the field of what we we're just mentioning once we start just looking at food and working with food this is where what we talked about initially is so important to be respectful of because working in this area with children and working with food and considering their relationship with that food now and growing up and also the relationship between the food and the kid and the parent is actually really important to consider. And I think, I actually think that's why working with a practitioner who knows what they're doing and respects this is really important for for kids um, because I I think with parents trying to work this out, um, it can get a little bit tricky to navigate. And what we don't want to see is children developing fear around food and um, parents being even just conscious a little bit of like the language to use when they're talking about certain foods. So yeah, we're creating a positive environment. I've just, I've definitely seen where kids have developed a real fear of food. Um, I've seen it particularly with things like celiac, where, you know, and the parents are trying to do the right thing, but these kids are shit scared. Like they're so scared of gluten. Like it's just, it's, it worries me, like just to be frank, like how, how much anxiety and fear they can develop. So I think the conversations that we have around food in general, um, in that health space are important to consider. So as practitioners, we're always going to be more so focused on what, what we want you to have, um, the variety of the food and encouraging diversity and having that sort of positive talk around that space and then being conscious of how we talk about the foods we're avoiding and what that might mean for now versus long-term and being conscious of how that conversation plays out. And we can't, obviously we can't be there and monitor everything perfectly and it's not that we're perfect either, but I just think it's a really important point in this particular space. Absolutely. I think if if there's one thing we could change about around behavior and what we talk, how we talk about food, I think it'd be cool if, if there was a shift more so into like just instead of calling it junk or bad food or, yeah. you know, this is healthy for you. Like you need like, like if we were to look at food in a way that, you know, whether it is um, like the nutrient component of it, like so nutrient dense foods or less nutrients in there, 
that kind of really takes away any kind of, I don't know, self-association with the food mm. in a way because we're not, you know, demonizing it or we're not hero in it. And it's just taking like, you know, I guess maybe kind of intellectualizes a little bit, maybe makes it a little bit boring, but in a way it also kind of, you look at the food, it's like, well, this is just, you know, you're having this, I would like to you to have this more because it is more nutrient dense. Like mm. this is going to, you know, this is what we want to have most of the time rather than, you know, this is less nutrient dense. Yeah. It's got carbs and protein. Um, but you know, there's, there's pretty much nothing else other than that. And yeah, you know, this is what we would have, you know, three times a day or five times a week. Um, that's a lot of food that, you know, like it's a lot of nutrients you're going to miss out on or you know, yeah. things like that. And that's the kind of um, language that is really helpful. I find around kids because instead of, you know, saying, oh, no, that's that's a special food or, you know, like... Mm, or a treat <laughs> food. Treat, treat yeah. food or junk food or yeah. some, you know, like that's... It's like it kind of makes you want it more or kind of makes you feel as though you're doing something um, wrong if you have it or even like mm-hmm. sneaky or like there's some kind of element oh, around Yes, so true. Yeah, like that yeah. classic reward element that comes with food. Yes. I mean, I know... Yeah. I know food is celebrational and there's all these other complexities coming to it, but oh, you're so right. Like we've been brought up with that emotional tie to food, particularly women. I mean, I see it in males too, but mm-hmm. we learn that. We learn that growing up that food is um, a reward, like it's a treat or um you know, oh, oh, I should, from our parents as well, like, oh, I shouldn't, oh, it's a bit naughty, oh, it's a bit naughty, oh, have a little yeah. bit of that naughty cake. And it's like... <laughs> It just, it just becomes ingrained. And I love what yeah. you're saying, like make, like being conscious of the language around food. I'm so passionate about that. Like I think, you know, there's so much awareness now about how we talk about um, gender with kids, which I think is mm-hmm. fantastic. But like, let's also think about how we talk about food in yeah. a similar fashion. Let's talk about food. I love what you said before. Let's talk about foods that we eat being good for making us um, our brain work really well and making us being able to think far or or run faster or grow our grow our muscles. Like I don't think that's boring. I think kids love that stuff. Yeah. They and do. then yeah. they're less likely also again to create, as you said, those attachments to things being like junk food or whatever it is. And then if they do have like party food at a party, it's just what it is. It kind of doesn't yeah. get like put on a pedestal, like ooh, party food. Um, yeah, I just think it's the way to go. And I love seeing that some parents are getting more conscious of this and the language around it. I, I try and encourage <laughs> nieces and nephews to think about when they eat party food, just noticing how it makes their poo the next day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely got my niece more conscious of that. Of like <laughs> the like stinky gross poo after party food. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well that is a really great um component of it too, Jess, is that getting them to recognize how their body feels with certain foods. Yeah. And it's not about like, oh yeah, look how crappy your body feels now. It's more like, you know, yeah, like I Chasey's like my daughter is really good for picking up on that like she because um she's grown up much different to how I grew up it's definitely mm. not this way like conscious of how my body felt like I could have eaten chocolate all day and I wouldn't have even noticed but mm. you know if she was to do that she knows like she can feel that like how her body changes I bet <laughs> when she stayed away for like a week recently and um she actually 
came back and she's like, I was just so lazy. Like, you know, I had all the, all these foods that I don't normally have. And then all I wanted to do was hang out on the couch and I had no energy. I just got black and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe like how, like how much of a response she feels to that. Oh, yeah. you know, she has too much sugar. She's like, I'm so thirsty. Yeah. Like, you know, she's like, she can really recognize those things. And that, that's that feedback that the body gives you that's like, oh, you know, I don't actually want any more. And I think that's something that we quite lack. Like, I know that I like that. Mm kind of feedback because I can be so disconnected from like just long-term habits but um yeah getting them to recognize that like oh yeah this is how your body feels so true. too much fun food um it's yeah it's a great learning hell yeah and like honestly Gamel, like that's what we're trying to teach majority of our adult clients to be in mm-hmm. tune with their body and understanding that and they you know think of all those consultations where people will come back after making changes and feeling good. And then they'll tell you about exactly the same thing where they've been away and they've had X, Y, Z. And they're like, Oh my God, I just, I really get it now. And I feel it. So yeah, you're like, your daughter's a case in point. Imagine kids knowing that from an earlier age and understanding that you're not, I just don't think you're going to make the same choices. Like you won't, you're not going to, again, we're not trying to create perfect humans, but I know I would have been the same if I understood that, in my early 20s that only eating fruit till midday every day (laughs) (laughs) on my vegan diet and eating like a lentil pie for lunch and then I don't know what for dinner wasn't doing better than me in my early 20s (laughs) and then binging on like half a block of chocolate at night with a you know followed down by three pints of cider (laughs) but like I, I just I didn't get it I didn't I actually just didn't ever get at that point still like how what I ate was affecting how I felt and I just think it's such a you know of course we're biased but I do think it's such a valuable tool that you can teach children for sure so what about diversity you've definitely mentioned it um why should we be encouraging diversity of ingredients and trialing different things I think the main thing with diversity in foods and you know we still like we talk about this with our adult clients too is diversity is the key thing for a good microbiome because it's not about having all the good bugs in your gut it's not about promoting that it's about promoting diversity you want to have diversity in your gut microbiome that's a sign of a good healthy gut and that's um you know that's tricky because gut health at the moment the big buzzwords are prebiotics and probiotics and that's promoting only you know, the fiber rich foods, but I think, you know, coming back to that diversity, that is key. And, you know, like to be able to do that for kids, what does that mean? It's about creating diversity in their diets by either just, you know, opening up like that exposure to them and like making sure that they know, like, you know, at least aware of all these different foods or trying them, you know, frequently and keep retrying it, like as their palates change. But yeah. I think that diversity as far as that microbiome growth is so vital, particularly to yeah. what we were discussing earlier. And then the other, absolutely, which plays into what we we're just saying, is that we're also trying to encourage diversity of the palate and kids being more 
open to different flavors. And what I love that you've said before is about just trying things again, because what a kid likes on Monday, they're probably going to like on Friday. Like they're schizophrenic little beings. Like they're just always changing what they like and they don't like. So yeah, you're it goes in line with who they are friends with one day and they're friends <laughs> yes. with the next. Like, <laughs> and it's just their palate will continue to grow. So if they don't like tomatoes, like, um, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be every week, but every couple of months or whatever it is, like just, just trial different things because most kids will well, I feel like most kids hate avocado is a good example. And then, you know, eventually most of us end up loving avocado. <laughs> but yeah. like, let's let's continue to trial and retrial foods. And if a kid doesn't, if they're just like, nah, I just, I still don't like it. Fine. Like we don't want to make a song and dance about them and then make them feel bad and punish them and be like, oh, you've got to eat it. And then create that drama around the food again. It's just like, okay, cool. You don't like it. That's fine. Um, yeah. you know, we'll give it a go in a couple of months again and see what you think. It's yeah. And just, you know how freeing that is to mm. not create that drama around the food. It's like, oh. okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or if they're like one, one thing that my daughter was, was like, I'm full with the meals. Like at dinner time, it's like, okay. And then later on, like an hour or two later, I'm hungry again. It's like, <laughs> yes. oh, well, I saved your dinner. It's like, oh. No, it's fine. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm hungry. It's fine. I love it. My mum used to, I hated it when you're like half an hour, an hour before dinner. I'm like, mum, I'm hungry. And she'd always say, have a piece of fruit. And I'd be like, I don't want a piece of fruit. And she'd answer always back, well, you mustn't be that hungry then. Oh, my God. It used to drive me nuts. And now Damien does it to me because he says I'm always saying that I'm hungry, but he'll say have some nuts. I'm like, if you told me to have some nuts one more time, <laughs> it's like you're always hungry. <laughs> I just said I was hungry. I actually am sitting here thinking I'm hungry right now. <laughs> I actually had some nuts before. <laughs> How so. are you? Like this is so off topic, but I don't care. Mel's been doing a lot of strength training and so have I. So we're like go just froth about talking about it have you been like just crazy hungry with I'm so hungry today. <laughs> yeah, just, like metabolism is out of control seriously and I keep coming back to what I would tell my own clients and I'm like god just damn like, it <laughs> eat more eat more eat more protein yeah yeah uh yeah I've been definitely optimizing my macronutrients to find those hunger like just hungry all the time but loving the strength training I feel so good it's yeah. yeah it's another thing when your body feels like like it's changing and you're developing um new muscles <laughs> yeah yeah that you didn't even know were there before but yeah it's very cool so speaking of macros we wanted to, we've talked and mentioned them at points and listeners of the podcast know that we always talk about macronutrient balance, carbs, protein, fats. We wanted to just mention a little bit about this for kids. Um, and we talked about this in our live as far as these macros, because um, again, right back to the start, trying to get kids to eat macro balanced meals um, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner is pretty much setting yourself up for fail because kids just tend to not eat like that if you do have a kid that eats like that bloody kudos to you that's great but most of them are grazers they pick they'll eat a bit of this bit of that so what we like to encourage as far as now practicality of food is 
how you can concentrate a little bit more on what you throw into the lunchbox or when they're at home, the types of foods to go for. So we find that like most kids are pretty good with carbs. So by carbs, we mean things like your bread, your crackers. Most kids like a bit of fruit. Um, it's not that hard to get carbs into kids. They tend to like kind of live on carbs. But what they do tend to fall a little bit short of is protein um, for that that development um, that we're just talking about as far as strength and, and muscle growth, but also lots of other factors and then essential fats or quality fats um, mm. for again, brain development and, you know, inflammation, hormone health. So what we wanted to do is highlight those two, but also give you just a couple of ideas um, on how you might consider incorporating a little bit more protein in the day or throughout the week for kids and same, same with the fat. So do you want to start, would you pick one, Mel? Do you want protein or fat? <laughs> or both. One thing I or do. Or both. Have you go both. <laughs> I have to tell you this though, Jess, it's funny. It keeps popping up in my mind when we're talking about fats. It was like um, fish oils. I was trying to get Chasey to have fish oils. And, um, you know, this was at a younger age. And I remember her got like, she got a really good mark on her test. And she's, and the teacher's like, oh, you did really good. And she's like, oh, it must be the fish oils. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> could imagine the teacher being like, what? <laughs> oh, good on her. But yeah, it's fats. Fats is such a thing that is missed out on. And I think one thing that um, is a good little snack that kids tend to like is chia puddings. That, you know, yeah, that's a good, that's good, a good one. And that's one that you can really, like, if you want to make it from home, you can really mix it up and then make the different flavours, um, you know, incorporate the different flavours in there. Put like mashed fruits in there to make it you know that fruity flavor or like the cacao to make it you know the chocolate you know chia pudding or vanilla vanilla paste to make it a vanilla mm. chocolate vanilla chia pudding and that you know it's nut free i hear so frequently lately like mm. um going to schools that are completely nut free and having to make snacks that are nut free like blows my mind just thinking that It'd be so tricky <laughs> but luckily like you know things like um, there are lots of companies coming out now with uh, lots of different snack ideas, like the Health Lab, the Happy Snack Company. They're so cool. Mm-hmm. They make such cool <laughs> snacks. <laughs> but, um, like the Happy Snack Company makes um, the chocolate coated chickpeas, which is actually, you know, like Ooh, I haven't seen that. You haven't? No. Oh my God. Maybe because I'm in that kid's face, but like, oh my gosh, Jess, we've got to try it. <laughs> um, the chocolate coated chickpeas. And then there's. Um, Oh, salted caramel coated chickpeas. And then in the um, refrigerator aisle, there's, um, I noticed recently, like there's hummus dips, but they bought out a chocolate hummus dip. What? That's awesome. And it actually tastes, it's pretty good. And you know, that's that's, um, higher in protein. Uh, that's such yeah. a good idea protein and fiber um and they they make them in little packets so you, they can just have it like dip their you know banana in it for lunch mm-hmm. um i think they've had to have to adapt because there is those allergies mm. yeah that mindful of but um no those are those are good store-bought ones and then you can also if you've got some time in your hands there are lots of options to make you know, the ones from home. Um, I love going to your three ingredient rest uh three ingredient pancake recipe because I think that's a really good ratio of um eggs with carbs, you know, like that mm, you know, good one for good kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, they're all really good. I didn't know about some of those. And I love you mentioned the seeds versus nuts thing too. There's even a few, they've been around for ages. I feel like oh, I'm going to get the name wrong, like Munch Me. We did, we did for those that don't know, this past month has been Childhood Nutrition Month on the JCN Instagram page. So we've actually got a lot of snack ideas further on there around this topic, but we did put up some on that. Yeah, that munch me. They're like the little clusters, but they do like pumpkin seeds. They do some like seed ones as opposed to nut ones and they're quite yummy. Um, And some, I find some kids like the seed paste. Again, comes down to trialing. Like some kids do like tahini, some like you can get like sun butter, the sunflower seed butter. and what was the other one I was thinking of? Oh, good old avocado. So if they don't like avo, some kids love it and they just go nuts over it. But avocado mousse is one to make, oh, yeah. like chocolate mousse, which is so simple. Some kids yeah. like lose their brain over that stuff. Like it's just <laughs> avocado with a bit of honey or maple and then lots of cacao and just tastes like chocolate mousse. Like. No. Yeah. So, and that's the advantage of making these things from home because you can alter the flavor to suit you know the child and where they're at. Like, and then you can you know dial back the sugar the sweetness, or you can increase it if need be. Like the tahini, if you were to mix that with dates, it you know makes gives it a bit more sweetness mm, and kind, kind of make that into a caramel sauce type thing. Yeah, and that you know that could be a way to make it a bit more palatable if you're finding that they just don't like it by itself. So um, but true. there's options around um, those things. And, yeah. One that I've seen kids love, just reminded me of it, is like medjool dates, like the classic oh, yeah. medjool date, pop the pip out, stuff it with seed, like tahini or if it's a nut butter, if they can have it particularly at home. And then yeah. anything else that they love, like I've put like chopped banana on it or like even a chunk of dark chocolate, like just one piece just stuffed in it. Kids love that stuff. <laughs> Adults love that stuff. Adults too. like that stuff too. And what about yeah. protein? Oh, protein. Mm, I've got a few things written down. Let's have a look. Um, oh, bliss balls is a good one. You know, if you yeah. do need to, um, and you can do that with just seeds. Uh, and then another good one, another one I used to make up a lot is um, Greek yogurt with oats because that's oh, yeah. the of like protein with a bit of carbs yeah if you need to make like an allergy friendly one you can just do that with coconut yogurt some collagen because that when that's mixed in it doesn't alter the flavor or mm. the texture at all and then you can put in some brown rice oh brown brown rice flakes mix that through and it softens up and it becomes like a nice little pudding for mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. um if you want to make that up from home and send that to school or an afternoon snack or something along those lines but yeah um I think you mentioned that in the socials too again about the protein for kids yeah um, we actually just put up a post which people can find over on their JCN clinic page on Instagram about protein for kids because it's such a big area like sorry protein powders and we put a table up for rough ratio splits um for using protein yeah, yeah, I just, it's such a big question that we get. And I think, you know, yeah. first and foremost, it's like, well, yeah, you can use them, but it's, you don't have to buy specific ones for kids. If you use yours, it's just thinking about how much you add. And mm-hmm. I think they are really handy, like they're handy for us. They can be really useful for kids, particularly with kids. Most kids love smoothies or porridge. Like they're just these easy add-ons that just make life easier for everyone um unless you've got a kid that's or do you have time and they want to have some eggs for breakfast or you know then it's like the lunchbox thing to go back to that it's they may not have 
a sandwich or a wrap or a classic thing like that that's got protein in it. They might be like, I just want a Vegemite sandwich or I just want like my, I don't know, jam sandwich or whatever it is. So it's how can you add protein into the day in other ways? So as Mel said, that might be some little little bliss balls, whether they're bought or homemade. Um, they might be some yogurt. Like yogurt's great if if they're into yogurt. There's that new soy yogurt that's out too. I tasted that finally and it was actually quite nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I guess, again, depending on kids with meat, um, I know some parents I've had over the years are funny about putting meat in lunch boxes. So I'm like, just chuck an yeah. ice pack in there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, like ham, you know, kids love ham, like ham off the bone. Um, yeah. You know, it's just some of those, or it might be a little bit of like chicken. Again, how how much would if you had a sandwich and it had like chicken and avocado and lettuce on it, which for us we might be like, yum. Most kids are going to be like. Yuck! <laughs> but <laughs> they might eat. I'm just gonna the... pull the lettuce off, <laughs> the avocado out. Probably won't eat the bread, but that's it. <laughs> but if you gave them some chopped up cucumber or carrot in a container, like on its own, or little baby cucumbers, they'll eat that. To the cows come home on its own. And then if there was a, another little container that had a little bit of like chopped up chicken in it, or a bit of like chopped up ham off the bone, they'll eat that. And then later on, they'll eat their sandwich with some random spread on it. Like they eat, that's what I mean by that graze. They'll get it through the day. So what we're looking at is what are these other foods that are proteiny and we chuck them in the lunchbox, um, just not trying to like always think we have to get it all together. Um, so yeah, there's there's just a few. I mean, eggs, I love eggs because we can do like little egg muffins. Oh, um, egg muffins, yes. Yeah, they're they're fun. Food. Just yeah. like you kind of, like the three ingredient pancake on the website you can just kind of make a batch of that up and cook it as little muffins they work well mm-hmm. and I think just lastly um because we did a mention we did a we did a mention <laughs> <laughs> well, <that's all> <laughs> we did mention a lot about the immune system so I'd love you to mention maybe just a few ideas as far as immune supportive nutrients and foods particularly because yeah, everyone's sick at the moment too just chuck that one in at the end there (laughs) um no um supportive nutrients really like the the real key ones is is getting enough protein that's yeah important um that's really supportive of immune system function and um essential fatty acids so those omega-3s and unsaturated fats in general so omega-3s like oily fish chia seeds walnuts like those good or even flax seeds flax seeds are in um seeds mm-hmm. not a nut so you can get that in um ground up is great and you sprinkle it over everything <laughs> um so essential fatty acids are important and same with zinc and um and zinc is mostly in those well it's mostly in seafood and nuts and seeds so um you can find ways to get that in you know over the day over the week and then um vitamin c is always a goodie especially with um around when they are you know falling sick classic um uh lemon honey and ginger drink that mm-hmm. tends to go down well <laughs> everyone loves that the throat. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> um but yeah those those are probably the key nutrients like the other ones are like the fat soluble nutrients like a d and e mm-hmm. um but they tend to come along with the other foods that you're having um that i've just mentioned as well so like you know the oily fish seafood in general mm. it's tricky when the kids don't like 
seafood and that's kind of when you would um opt like that then you would consider perhaps um getting in some fish oil capsules or you know something like that if you're really concerned they're not getting enough mm, but um, you probably try and incorporate more of the um the plant-based omega-3s um as often as you can just to um, make sure that they're that it is in the diet um mm. at least yeah for sure actually just one more point on that before we, we round up just reminded me with seafood like you said the two things I've seen and it'd be interesting to think, see if you agree that kids can be good with is taking a very like non-fishy fish like a white fish like a, a hokey fish or something like that and then making fish cakes where you're fish cakes, yeah <laughs> so like lots of mashed potato salt and pepper yeah. like really simple crumb them I find mm-hmm. kids love that. But the other thing I've just got to say that I've seen a lot of kids love and parents, I think some think about it and some don't, is actually sushi. Like kids mm, seem to love sushi. Yeah, like they may not eat the fish at home when you cook it up, but take them to a sushi train and they'll just smash yeah. down sashimi. Yeah. <laughs> so. I actually had a parent the other day mention like um, in consult that their tuck shop for her girl has – Sushi in the touch shop. What? Man, I wish I had that. What was that? (laughs) I wouldn't have bought it when I was a kid. No. I used to buy these like, they were an oblong shape and it was like a processed chicken meat and it had like corn in it and then it was crumbed and deep fried. (laughs) It was whenever we bought our lunch, which was hardly ever, if I got money for lunch, I would always buy one of those. And I loved it so much. <laughs> All the memories. <laughs> the deep fried memories. That's it. It'll never taste the same if you were to try it again. You're like, oh. <laughs> oh, God. Was- <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, Mel, this was awesome. Um, I think we've mentioned quite a few good food ideas and tips there at the end. So hopefully that helps out. But I definitely direct those that are interested over to the JCN socials because we really have put a great month of resources there. So you will find more about protein, fats, food ideas, um, you name it. We've gone pretty crazy and it is kind of coming to an end. So, um, yeah, jump on. If you've got any questions, you can leave them there or... You can also hit us up on our socials, but particularly Mel, like this is her area. So please feel free to find her on socials. Um, I'll have her tagged in the comments section um, of the podcast. So, but yeah, definitely head on over, um, ask her any questions, bombard her. She loves it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And of course she's at the JCN clinic. So yeah, she does. Um, love it when you bring the little ones along to see her yeah, it makes it so much more sweet <laughs> i remember I that their versions of like what they think of the food it's hilarious <laughs> had lots of fun conversations around it oh, <laughs> so cool i remember that's telehealth as well guys so yeah we're in we are in brisbane but obviously yeah this is something we can offer everywhere but is there anything else you wanted to add before we finish up mel uh, not that I can think of. Um, no, you wrapped it up really nicely, Jess. I think that's pretty much it. It's such a big subject. Um, oh, there's just so much more we could elaborate on it, but I think that kind of captures it all quite nicely. Yeah, in a yeah, for sure. And and that's yeah. Just as a final point, if there's an area that we have talked about that you would 
love to, us to dive more into yeah. in this topic, please let us know and we'll do exactly that. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what's actually of interest to just people um, wanting to know more about certain areas because it's all well and good for us, you know, pinpointing certain areas, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so true, so true. Wonderful. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Mel, for joining yeah. in today. It's just been awesome. The hour has gone very quick and yeah. I have learnt a lot. I've learnt about <laughs> chocolate chickpeas. <laughs> and chocolate hummus. I'm already thinking about making chocolate hummus for the website. I'm like, oh, I have to make that happen. Yeah, please do. I would love to see that. I would love to give it a go. Watch this space. All right. Thanks everyone for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.